0: hello everyone welcome to episode 14 of the making noise podcast my name is adam kana i am the host today's episode features my friend francesca leo she's a flutist and an entrepreneur and she has this project that we talk a lot about in this episode it's called playing without pain and you can visit her website playingwithoutpain.com to learn a lot more about it Um, but the whole idea behind the project is to provide resources to do to conduct research and provide resources to encourage healthy practice habits to make sure you are preventing uh, any chance of injuries taking place that you're taking the proper amount of downtime away from playing you're managing your stress levels all of the things that have to do with a healthy lifestyle is is what she's focusing on and it's an invaluable resource. I Please go to the website. I guarantee you'll find things on there that you will um, that will be pertinent to what you might need. And we talk a lot about this stuff in the, in the episode here. So I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Just a few announcements. Um, I'm opening up my guitar studio. So if you are interested in learning how to play an instrument or improving your skills on a guitar, or you just want to take up a musical hobby, send me a message, send me an email. I would love to hear from you. Uh, I'm offering three different rates. If you pay weekly, that would be a full rate. If you pay monthly, that's a 5% discount. And if you pay quarterly, that's an 8% discount. So yeah, please send me a message. Find me on social media. Uh, Send me an email. I I hope to hear from you. And one other announcement. Uh, Lisa Nayer. Lisa, I don't know if I said your last name correctly. I'm very sorry. Uh, Composer and mezzo-soprano, Lisa Nayer is offering a free virtual workshop for composers it's i believe it's called text setting like a boss and it's it's a three-day workshop i believe it's february 2nd to the 4th i'll put this all in the description of uh of the podcast but it's a free workshop teaching you how to write for voice how to uh set text and uh text painting uh, all kinds of stuff. So I would highly recommend if you're a composer or you're just interested in learning how to write for the voice, sign up for that workshop. Um, I think that's all, all the announcements for today. So thank you all for watching and for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on any of the platforms that the podcast is hosted on, please follow and download the episodes. And uh, yeah, thank you all. My name is Adam Canel, and I am a collaborative composer. Join me in the search for a career in classical music. This is the Making Noise podcast.
1: Can uh, Can you hear me okay?
0: I can hear you beautifully.
1: Okay. I'm using my external mic.
0: It sounds great. <laughs>
1: Thanks.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it, it... It's a Yeti. Oh, you got a Yeti?
1: Yeah. Well, I ended up, because I had to do some, like, live stream performances, and it seems to be, like, closer to the instrument sound that it produces but
0: Mm. i don't know (laughs) that's that's cool um what is the yeti that you have if you would mind uh yep (laughs) awesome i love that it has such like a a 50s radio show vibe
1: i know the red color um was cheaper but i also like it so it worked out yeah
0: i like that i get a little bit of uh a little bit of style in it
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: how uh, how has it been working out i mean it sounds great right now
1: it's been pretty good i've used it for um online lessons too and my teachers have have said that it sounds like pretty good like closer to live than just the zoom audio so Mm,
0: yeah yeah Yeah. you, you sound very clear right now and like good. I, I almost feel like uh, we're on the phone or something. Like, a high-quality phone, too.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Good.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: looks like you have a good setup, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have, I have, I've had this microphone. It's called an M-Audio. Okay. This pop filter, I don't want to grab the thing, but uh, it's it's for a Zoom microphone, like a Zoom recording. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even go to the microphone, but I use it regardless. Um. Yeah. I do want to get a, a different microphone, though, that isn't like a this has a usb connection Mm -hmm. and i want one that has like an actual um jack like a
1: yeah yeah mine's just usb too yeah
0: it's it's convenient for the laptop but i don't know maybe i'm just being too like uh i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i I, I understand
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's weird I'm, i'm slowly getting more adjusted to this sort of thing though like using all this these uh this hardware and equipment to, mm-hmm. to, to do these sort of, you know, like zoom calls and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Have, have you, so you have a microphone. Do you have any other devices that you purchased?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I just got an interface, um, <laughs> which I'm super excited about, but I have no idea how to use. So Chris has been helping with me with that because I'm doing a couple of pieces with electronics mm. and um, I just realized that I didn't really need the interface to do what I needed to do for this specific piece. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I just got it. (laughs) But it'll come in handy in the future um, because I'm just playing a piece with fixed electronics. So I just need to run like a click track through my headphones and then um, the electronics through my speakers. And I am still (laughs) figuring out how to do that. It sounds so easy, but I'm just like, I'm not good with all that stuff. Oh
0: my God. So yeah. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. But um, yes, I have that. I have a ring light that I'm not using right now because my music stand is maxed out with gadgets, mm. with my laptop and microphone. Um, but it, that has a phone stand. So that I've been using that. Um, yeah, that's about it.
0: But you're, you're, you're diving <laughs> straight into it, Francesca. This is great. I mean,
1: like there have been so many online things that like I don't know. I had to have some have some gear but
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's great i mean especially like you know obviously at the time we're living in you have to um but do you know the cellist uh ashley bathgate i think she's uh
1: i've heard of her yeah
0: she's blonde um and she was affiliated or is affiliated with bang on a can and i think now she's working with eighth blackbird or something cool i have no idea exactly like what she's doing right now but she, was, um, she did a, a presentation or, I don't know, a conversation on on NextFest, which okay. is, is like some online, um, well, not online, but it's an organization to present resources for people in the community. And cool. uh, she talked a lot about how, like, when the quarantine hit and stuff like that, she was like, all right. I'm going to buy this microphone. I'm going to buy all this stuff. I'm going to buy all these lights and have like this whole, like she basically turned her room into a a performance studio. Um,
1: Oh, nice. That's yeah. yeah, I feel that.
0: (laughs) It's so, it was so cool. I was like, Oh, the, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit in that, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And hearing you say, you know, doing the things you're doing right now. I'm like, yeah, there it is. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's been useful. Really useful. I'm glad that I was I was able to get that gear, and even even when things go back in person, I think there's still going to be a lot that is still going to be online. Mm-hmm. So I know it's going to come in handy.
0: Yeah, it definitely will. And and not only that, like you're developing another skill set too.
1: Yeah, slowly but surely. There's <laughs> been a big learning curve. I learned video editing this year, which has been probably the most exciting thing that I've learned how to do. I am very good with iMovie now um before the pandemic I had no idea how to use iMovie so there we go
0: (laughs) it's so funny because that's exactly what I've been doing with this is I I I, I downloaded a free video software editing software and uh, yeah
1: I've
0: been you know getting acquainted with that and now now I'm like I'm having so much fun making videos
1: I know it is fun
0: what, yeah. what um, has this been like for performances and stuff or
1: yeah, it's been for, um, it started out actually, I got a, a job with the art of practicing Institute, um, as a social media assistant. Mm. And so I was having to edit a lot of, um, classes down to just a one or two minute clip. Um, and then I would pull sections from the whole video. And so at first I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> I watched a bunch of tutorials. Um, and then once I started doing it, I was like, Oh yeah, this is actually like pretty straightforward. Um, and then I got really into it. And then I've had to record several lectures this past summer that I um, to submit to festivals, mm-hmm. and um, I've figured out pretty cool ways to do it where I can like um, like overlay the audio over pictures and then intertwine it with video, and so it just looks like a little bit more professional than just recording you talking on on Zoom and screen sharing. Not you specifically, but, <laughs> but yeah. one talking on Zoom right, right. and presenting. But yeah,
0: that's fantastic. It, it yeah. definitely makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Having um, uh, the the program that I use, like <clears throat> one thing that I do is I record my audio through it like separately onto like a um uh, a digital audio workstation, like kind of like. Um, was it called Reaper? And yeah. so I then and then I record the video on its own thing. Okay, and then I overlay it. And like, in order to do that, you have to see the sound wave. Yeah, to see exactly where the audio where it lines up so that there's,
1: I don't know, the video
0: and audio syncs, you know, yeah, I, I actually do that with this podcast. So like, after we're done today, I'll, I'll put the audio into Reaper. To you know, oh. to make it sound a little cleaner and stuff, and then try to line up the video and whatnot. And uh, without having a program like that that can actually do that, it's like, yeah. it makes all the difference.
1: It does. You know? and I'm still and- figuring. I'm still learning things every day. I'm sure I'll learn something from you during this podcast as well.
0: <laughs> oh my god, those things are crazy. You can go so deep. With-
1: yeah, I know.
0: All these like it any is software, crazy, really. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want to um. I don't want to take away from any time that you wanted to talk about anything specific. How much time oh, yeah.
1: do you have today? Um, I'm I'm good. I can go an hour and a half.
0: Cool. Yeah. We, we can go as long as you want to, too. I don't or want to like, an uh, yeah, uh, yeah. create any specific uh yeah. you know like make it like it has to be a specific time limit or anything or
1: oh yeah, no problem.
0: Whatever you're feeling. But well, cool. the, I'm kind of curious with um uh your playing without pain project. Yeah how has that shifted? Like, well, I definitely want to talk a lot about that, but like, sure. how has that shifted with um, being online and everything through Zoom? Has has it been like challenging? Cause I imagine there's a physicality to it when you're doing a, that you're trying to do like a masterclass. Well, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if you could explain that a little yeah.
1: bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it actually started as a website. Um, so that part hasn't changed too much. Uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit of background for anyone who might be listening and not Know what the heck i'm talking about yeah, <laughs> so my yeah. website um playing i started it in 2017 when i was at bowling green state university which is how adam and i know each other um which is awesome go bowling green go falcons <laughs> so yeah i um i conducted a research study that i went through the institutional review board um process so it was um an official research study and i distributed a questionnaire via email to the College of Musical Arts. um, And the the premises was to determine the prevalence of performance-related injuries in collegiate music students, and also um, the stress connection with with stress and performance-related pain. And so there are several similar studies that are conducted um, like this that were also conducted on a larger scale. My findings were that 84% of students were suffering some form of performance-related pain. Um, The similar studies that I've reviewed Uh, support that statistic. There was one conducted uh, with a wide variety of music schools. It had 1,001 participants, I believe, and that showed that 67% of of all of those students were experiencing performance-related pain. Some smaller scale studies, more like mine, showed closer to um, 80 or 90% of students. And um, one of the other significant findings in my study was that there was a significant correlation between uh, pain severity and stress levels. So the week leading up to a performance competition or audition, um, stress levels were generally higher and um, pain levels were also higher in the participants um, in the study. So that was really interesting, and it got me interested in studying more about the mind-body connection, which I can talk about a little later on, maybe. Um, But yeah, so it started, um, and I also have a long history with performance-related injury as well, so that was what motivated me to start this project for anyone that might not know. um, I basically didn't know what to do when I was in pain. I didn't know that anyone else was experiencing pain um, at the time of my injury, and so once I started diving into this research and conducting it myself, I was really shocked at the high amount of students that were in pain and just um, didn't feel like they could talk about it or didn't know where to go for help or what to do. So I started my website shortly after that project, and it's basically just a one-stop shop for performance-related injuries. Um, so you go there, and there's so many resources from professionals that have also conducted research. Um contact information for uh, medical professionals that specialize in performing art, arts health and um, body mapping teachers, Alexander Technique teachers. Um, so basically, I just wanted it to be an accessible source of information for students and a reliable source. So I vet all of um, this, the resources that I put on my website, make sure they're all um, professionally based and based in research. and. Um, yeah, so that's been really exciting. I created social media platforms um, that I still maintain. And so my Instagram is at Playing Without Pain, and Facebook is the same handle. So that's all been online. Um, ever since then, I've been presenting on my research and I'm doing a certification as a body mapping educator, also doing a meditation train, teacher training certification right now, um, and just continuing to do research and learn more about um, the co- common causes of performance-related injuries and ways to treat them effectively, efficient practicing strategies that you can implement to reduce the amount of time that you spend on your instrument per day, um, and just exercise routines that you can implement and put at the beginning of practice sessions to help get your blood flowing and, and your muscle temperature up so that it helps prevent injury as well. Um, so there's it's a multifaceted um, industry, kind of. So there's the prevention, management, and treatment of, of the pain. So um, that's kind of what I've been diving into, especially after I graduated this past year. Uh, so that that part has all stayed the same. As for the presentations, I did give a few in person over the last year, which have been awesome. For me, the online presentations are so much better because I am so afraid of public speaking. <laughs> like it's, it's getting better, but I get so nervous. And so in person, um, I feel that, that um, nervousness a little bit more, but hiding behind a screen definitely helps a little bit <laughs> me so um it's actually helping me practice my public speaking skills so that hopefully I will be able to go um in a little bit more confidently when I step in front of a group of people in the future so uh yeah so that's how that has changed but it's it's been awesome because I've been able to connect with so many people across the country that I likely would have never crossed paths with had we not gone to a completely digital world so that's been really awesome.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the silver linings with this whole yeah you know, pandemic and everything like that is the the uh, accessibility and connection we have to one another. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it didn't happen. You know, like
1: I love this podcast. I'm so happy to be a guest on it. Thanks for inviting me. Oh man, that
0: means <laughs> a lot. No, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm so happy that you're uh, you know you wanted to be a part of it. That's cool. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, oh, there's so much in there that you said that I'm I'm so curious and interested yeah. in. Um, but yeah, th- one of the great things about doing these things online, like you were saying, the uh, sort of stage fright of doing presentations. Yeah. Um, is there's all these little tricks. Like you if you want to have on Zoom, like just only have your face on there or not your face, you know? Because yep. like, yep. <laughs> then you're not sitting there looking at a sea of people. You're just mm-hmm. looking at like a screen or... You know, or like you can even put a piece of paper or turn your monitor off. Like, yeah, there's, there's, so yeah. Many, there's so many ways to help that. Um, yeah. do, you, do you do anything with your presentations to kind of like, like those sort of uh, tricks to help you feel a little bit more comfortable or do you just jump
1: Yeah. In? So sometimes I just jump in. Um, I'm getting, the more I practice it, I'm getting more comfortable kind of going off script per se um, when I demonstrate things, I, um, have the camera on, I like to have it in gallery view sometimes, um, just to see everyone else and interact with them. But when I'm, um, citing my kind of more of the research portion, I usually have an outline on a Google doc that I pull up in, um, kind of, it prompts me throughout the speech and keeps me on track, especially if it's timed. Um, cause I tend to, to babble a little bit <laughs> but um yeah so that's that's been helpful because I could have the outline pulled up on my screen and be looking at that while I'm talking and and um not get super nervous by uh seeing other faces but everyone's really friendly that attends so you know I shouldn't be nervous it's something I'm working on so <laughs> yeah
0: it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a process
1: yeah and yeah. and,
0: I, and I'm sure too that they're just so excited to be getting that information from you.
1: Well, that's a relief. That's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that makes me feel good. Thank you.
0: Totally. And that and that's one of the biggest things that I like about like everything you just said about the whole process of you, like you said, you had pain. You vote. You had a history of pain-related injuries, yeah. and you you recognized that other people had it too, or it wasn't being discussed. And then you started yeah. doing some research. And now you have this whole project going on and uh, it's just, like, I love the entrepreneurial aspect of all that where like you identified a problem and then you realize that no one's, it's not a, a highly discussed topic. And so you, you were like, all right, well, I'm going to start getting into this. <laughs> and, and, and now you have this whole thing going on where you know, uh, with I, I love that you have all those resources on your website. Like I was looking at that.
1: Oh, thank you. And,
0: uh, the, 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 the one I, I was, I was, I like the one with uh, practicing, like uh, healthy practice habits. Is that what it's
1: called? Yeah, or like the efficient practicing template. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: Um, and so it, I, I just basically, I just think it's so fantastic that. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, and that's that's that can, that can be hard to do, you know, like um, the 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 risk. I don't say well, yeah, I guess it is a risk, but like um, you're venturing into the unknown and that sort of thing. You know, like, when in your life have you ever created a website specific for, like, for trying to educate people on a specific topic, you know?
1: Yeah. Or a
0: program. I
1: I really didn't even know it was was a thing. Um, And then as soon as I heard the words Performing Arts Health, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to (laughs) do. Like, I got so excited about it. um, Because I was, like, searching for something like that. And I was like, what? Like, what is it? Like, why... Like, why can't I find this one thing that I like know that I really want to do, but I'm not sh- sure what it's called yet. And then as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, sold. That's it. That's what I'm going <laughs> to devote the majority of my career to. And I'm, I'm still performing, um, too, of course, but it's definitely like that's that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely so evident how excited you are about all of it, which I imagine also contributes to the uh, like you said, um Uh, you can tend to babble on about the topic yeah when when you care so much about something you're like oh my god you got to hear everything (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah yeah I mean if you if you talk to my parents I'm I'm living back with them for a bit um which has been great it's been great to spend time with them but uh, I am constantly reading a new book or a new article a new study or taking it like a course or a webinar on it I just like can't I can't get enough of it which I do need to take a break sometimes. So I'm working on that, but it's, yeah, it's just like, if I ever have like a free half hour or something, I'm like, okay, what, what else can I find about it? It's, that's,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you just keep digging. That, that, that's um, uh, like the, the endless student or whatever you call that. Like you're always, you're always a student, right? You're always learning even when you're established in the field, whatever yeah. your career path is, it's like, you know, you, you should always be educating yourself. And so the fact that, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I got 30 minutes. Let me see what else I can learn. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, it's, um. there's a fine line between like an obsession, like a healthy obsession and an unhealthy obsession. So I got to like make sure that I'm just taking time to chill and like, you know, watch some Netflix and, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I need to be careful with that stuff too. Like I, I'm reading this book on on uh, tuning theory right now, and
1: oh, it's, awesome!
0: It's exciting. It is it is explaining so many historical things. Like that is so cool. Why certain consonances at a certain period were considered a dissonance and stuff, and you know. But anyways, um, wow. if I if I read that too late at night, then like as I'm going to bed, I'll be thinking about your that.
1: mind. Just st- yep, I I understand. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I'm I'm curious about something. This is more just a personal thing, and we don't have to get too heavy into this. Oh, of
1: course.
0: Uh, you had mentioned at the very beginning when you were at BG and you were interested in exploring the topic, mm-hmm. and you had to approach a, uh, academic, what was it, some board or something like that?
1: Yeah, the institutional review board.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What What is that exactly?
1: So it's basically, um, it's how they vet research studies and how they, um just make sure that every, the practices are ethical. Mm -hmm. So you have to go through this training program um, about ethical practices in research. And you read a lot of studies that have been conducted in the past that have been really terrible. (laughs) So you just, you learn about everything, what not to do uh, with research. And then you have to submit a proposal for your research study um, to get approved just to to make sure sh- it's kind of just like um yeah it's it's protocol to make sure that that you the study that you're conducting is is safe for for all participants um so mine mine came through pretty easily it didn't really need a ton of um review from them but i i still got the the stamp of approval and it also went through the bgsu research department too before i conducted the study um we sent them the questionnaire to make sure that all the questions were, were okay to ask. And um, so, yeah, it's basically just like officially approving your, your research.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought that would be um, something that might be interesting to get into for a moment in case there's yeah. anyone who's curious about that. Cause I've never done any research like that. So I'm unfamiliar with that process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty lengthy process, especially the training program part. But I'm hoping to do more research in the future, so um, that will be useful. Is it something forward.
0: that you have to continuously do every time you submit, you want to pursue an experiment or anything? Or
1: That I'm actually not entirely sure about. I believe, um, like if it's been a certain amount of years before your last training program, I imagine there would be some updates to it. So you'd likely have to do it um, again to some level, but you definitely have to submit it for approval each time you do new research study.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, I, I've never watched, I know um, on Netflix, there's like the, I don't know if it's a documentary or just a TV show on the Stanford experiment, but I, mm-hmm. I, I know of the Stanford experiment and uh, I imagine that's a big reason why they have uh, Yeah. thing you're talking about.
1: <laughs> there were, there were a lot of, of reasons um, similar. To that, there have been so many studies that have just kind of like flown under the radar that have been horrible. Mm. (laughs) And you learn about every single one of those in that training program. So it's a little bit like, you're like, you come out feeling like, oh, like, like icky, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, well, doing research on performance related injuries is is okay. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's weird to think that even in those studies, they were doing it to try to learn something new that could be, that, like, I would imagine might have been for a, I don't know, like, to try to prevent something else, like, to try to prevent that thing from happening, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm Maybe I'm being too nice,
1: but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there was a reason. Um, was it ethical? No. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's so wild.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah, know. but I, if, if you if anyone listening is interested, check out that documentary.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I still haven't watched it yet myself, but uh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but so with um. When you started getting into the the or started pursuing this more and more. <clears throat> it's interesting to hear you talk about this because I've honestly haven't really heard it discussed much either. Mm-hmm. And in my own personal, like when I was mm-hmm. getting guitar lessons and stuff. Um, I think the closest that I came to having that discussion was mi- mainly talking just about being relaxed, you mm-hmm. know, like knowing um, I play guitar, so I, I'm, I'm doing this, like I'm playing guitar <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those listening. I'm doing the motion of playing uh, air guitar. Um, but um, like, for example, when you play the guitar, doing this is terrible for the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Having your elbow out. Mm-hmm. So like having your arm just coming up, I mean, I'm sure you you can probably get into this way deeper than I could, but from what I've been taught, it was like having a straight wrist, elbow bent, like, you know. Yeah. Um, in the proper format, whatever. I'm having a hard time explaining this, but.
1: No, you're doing great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. But um, but basically like, that's probably the closest I've come to really being um, Exposed to playing, you know, like you said, performance health, and there was a little bit of Alexander talk technique talked about and body mapping in this. In when I was in choir in my undergrad,
1: okay,
0: great, um, and that was that was always really interesting. Yeah. But, um, what about with your private studies? Like, was it a topic much at all in in your lessons, or um, was that part of the reason that kind of led you into? To, <laughs> Doing this research
1: yeah um so in my early early years of study i actually um and this is gonna be hard to explain on the podcast but i was playing like with a bent wrist um mm-hmm. with my flute which was really not great it was actually cutting off some of the circulation um to my hands when i was playing and i learned that because one of my early teachers played like that um and i don't think that she ever realized that it was bad or or ever uh, yeah it, it wasn't affecting her for some reason so that was how I learned to play um, I got to after that teacher moved I went to a new teacher that was when she pointed out my my wrist my wrist bent in my right wrist when I was playing and so we were working on trying to get this um, so the term is like neutral wrist that's ideal for playing um, so not not bent and not like really stiff. So there's no tension, just like kind of neutral. So um, that really helped, but at that point I had already kind of like been playing with my wrist bent for a couple of years. And um, so that was contributing to some of, I, I initially got diagnosed with forearm tendonitis. That was contributing to some of that. Um, but after I've been doing a deeper dive with the body mapping and Alexander technique work the past few years, um, I held a lot of tension in my playing just in general. And uh, I would lock, I would like lock my left hand in place um, when I was holding my flute. And a lot of kids especially um, learn like that because they're so afraid. They have this big, huge flute and it's like, it feels really awkward to put it up when you first do it. Um, and they're afraid of dropping it. So they tend to like grip on the flute. That's definitely what I did too, because it, it just wasn't talked about, um, which I'm not putting blame on anyone because, you know, it's just it wasn't widely known. And the people that did know it um, could talk about it. But I think there's also been a stigma with teachers like they don't want to say anything that could potentially mess their students up or say it wrong. So I think a lot of teachers um, just have avoided talking about it, which is understandable. Um, But hopefully now that it's kind of sparking a discussion more, there's a lot more presentations on wellness for musicians in a lot of festivals that I've been seeing and participating in, which has been really awesome. And there's, um, other people in, in our age group that are also talking about this and advocating for it. So, um, my hopes is that if, if you're a music educator listening to this, there are a couple of really great courses you can take that basically give you like a ton of information on how to prevent injuries in your students and what to do if you have a student that is injured and how to guide them through it. There's a specific course, the Performing Arts Medicine Association um, Essentials of Performing Arts Medicine Certificate Course. So um, I can send you a link to that if, if you'd like to link, link it in the description. Definitely. But I took it this past summer. It took me about a month and a half. I did like an hour a day um, and they were broken up into chapters, but it was basically they took... Um, doctors, they took physical therapists, Alexander Technique teachers, neuroscientists, psychologists, all professionals that were advocating for musicians and performing artists to come give these talks. And there was one whole segment on injury prevention and how you can implement that into your teaching. There was a whole segment on what how to support an injured student and. Uh, develop a return to play method that was collaborative with their healthcare providers. So that was really awesome because it's something that, you know, students get injured all the time. And a lot of teachers are afraid to interject because they don't want to say or do anything that might make it worse. Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful to know. Um, and also just having a general awareness of anatomy. You don't have to be an expert. Either that or, or have a couple of body mapping or Alexander Technique teachers kind of on call that you can refer students to or physical therapists as well if they're in pain um, can really help help in your teaching. And um, I was fortunate to have really good teachers that, that did talk about this to some level. But unfortunately, my early years when I started playing, um, it just wasn't talked about. And I was doing a lot of things that... Um, really contributed to the development of my injury. And um, as I'm learning more about it, there's a lot with the mind body connection, there's a huge emotional component of it as well. Because when you're constantly stressed, and you're constantly, like beating yourself up, and kind of criticizing yourself, which we all do, as musicians, especially, um, that can really impact your your physical pain as well. And it's subconscious most of the time. So you don't even know that you're carrying so much tension in your body until you suffer it from pain or, or an injury later on. And so it's really important to take care of both your mental and your physical health. And I think teachers can play a huge role in that, um, just by offering a supportive ear in case the student is experiencing external stressors or having just a general level of understanding of a couple tools in your toolkit that you can you can teach your students and then refer them to to other professionals in the event of something more severe.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's that course sounds really really pertinent.
1: Yeah, it is. I would highly recommend it. I think they offered it in the summer, then they offered it in November. I'm hoping I'm on one of their committees. I'm hoping that they will offer it more frequently um but if not definitely next summer online so yeah
0: yeah Yeah. um and the last thing you mentioned too about students having a lot of stress already as it is yeah i think especially with music students it's Mm -hmm. you know you're taking like 15 credits at least you know (laughs) depending you know it depends i don't know i i always stayed at 12 credits because i didn't want to overwork myself uh uh,
1: yeah good for you that that's smart
0: (laughs) um but i mean if you're a performer right you're you're in like you're an orchestra you're in chamber ensembles you're doing solo performances you have your lessons yeah you're you're doing your theory classes history your gen ed classes yeah carrying your instrument everywhere yeah um you have like uh, you know, other activities that you have to do if you're in like a club or something or, and then your social life, like you have a life outside of that, right? Right. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting hearing you, you say all this because it's, it's kind of clicking in my mind even more thinking about all that and then how it contributes to the, the overall stress, both mental and physical that we experience as as music students. Yeah. Um, yeah. what is something with that? What do you find to be this is This might be too, might be a complex question, but like, what do you find is is a, a, one of the more challenging aspects about this this field, and for people to to start to develop, or like, yeah, you, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. It's definitely one trying to to have people take this seriously, because a lot of um musicians we are so stuck and i was there too and i still am there sometimes we're so stuck in this we have to be perfect we have to please our teacher we have to advance to the next competition or else like like it's really almost as if our self-worth depends on it and that's been something i've been unpacking myself too um so it's really hard to make changes when you're in that mindset and if you aren't actively experiencing pain it's it's hard to implement changes to prevent injury because, um, it just seems like so far off. You're like, well, I'm fine now. Um, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because I don't have time for anything else. And so it's almost, it's kind of just getting people to really value the importance of taking care of themselves, especially when you're a student. And also, um, especially in the classical music industry there's just been a regimen of in a tradition of teaching for so long that has been the same and it's gotten it's been successful in in some ways producing really amazing players but a lot of musicians are so messed up from it and like myself included it's just so much pressure and it's constant criticism and and just really um cuz you're you're always improving and of course you want to always be improving but it's it's the the mentality surrounding it that can be really detrimental and so i think when a lot of people first hear about like taking care of themselves and i was this way too i was like oh well that's great for someone else but i can't do that <laughs> because because i don't have time for that or something like that but it's really um yeah so i think that's the most challenging part is encouraging people to make changes to take care of themselves without or having them realize that they can do that without um, losing progress or or losing momentum. And a lot of that comes down to what I think is the efficient practicing, which is really important um, because rewind three or four years ago, I would be in the practice room four or five hours at a time, ramming the same run over and over again, making mistakes, continuing to get in my head like, oh, you stink, you're a terrible (laughs) flutist. And like, just getting in that really bad headspace where I would just, like, I got to practice more. This has to be better. Um, And that's really, you're honestly just ingraining more mistakes. And I definitely was. And I wasn't making any progress. And I was actually probably regressing in my progress because of how much I was just like just berating myself in the practice room and um I off I also think that when you're presented with a lot of repertoire that you have to learn like with lessons and ensembles a lot of people tend to cram practice um which for me that never that never worked because it never stuck if I was trying to learn a bunch of music all at once and then play it the next day and I know sometimes you can't avoid that, like you'll get thrown a gig last minute, which of course you would want to take and you have to learn the music. But when you can, learning the music as far in advance as possible and just giving yourself time to learn it, like scheduling, like, okay, today I'm going to take one hour, I'm going to take a break in the middle. The first half hour I'm going to work on these two lines from this piece, the second half hour I'm going to look work on like these two lines from this other piece, but I'm going to be really intentional about it. And then you come out of the session with a sense of accomplishment because you've actually given yourself time to work in with intention and, and you're more focused to when you just don't like throw everything at yourself all at once. And for me implementing that has been really effective because then the work sticks with me. And if I put the piece away, for a couple of days, and then I bring it back out, it actually gets better because your brain subconsciously continues to work on things that you practiced even when you're away from your instrument, which is why breaks are so important. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and I think that seems so scary to most, especially young students or even professionals that have been practicing six hours a day their whole lives um, because the possibility of of practicing less makes it seem like, oh, well, I'm going to get nothing done and I'm not going to progress, but actually that's not the case. So yeah, I would say that that process is, is probably the most challenging. Um, and so that's something I've been working on too, because I've had a lot of questions like that myself. It's like, well, how am I going to get better if I only practice two hours a day? But if you're really focused about it and you give yourself breaks and you're intentional and you don't, try and do too much at once it actually like it's been working I haven't practiced more than two hours a day since this pandemic started and I've gotten everything accomplished that I've wanted to and I mean coming off of a master's degree was helpful with with that because I was practicing a lot more then but um I've slowly been trying to work on on reducing the amount of time but also maintaining the same momentum per se.
0: Right. The amount of focus and and, uh, um, like high quality practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's
0: so fascinating. Right. Um, (laughs) Especially I've never I've never thought of that before. How you mentioned people are resistant to changing their behaviors in concern of slowing down progress. Yep. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense because, you know, it's it's hard to change your behavior. Um,
1: yeah, it is.
0: I, I know I, I've read before that the reason why most people who win the lottery lose it in a year because they never developed the financial um, behaviors to handle how to handle their money. So, like, they transfer yeah. their crappy money spending habits. Only now they have a lot more money.
1: Interesting. It's
0: gone. Um, so, wow. Yeah, yeah um so wow that that's that's heavy (laughs) like yeah
1: I'm sorry I threw a lot (laughs) yeah it is heavy no (laughs) No, I'm just I'm
0: like I'm I'm thinking it in my head and I'm like I'm
1: like
0: there's so many things I'm curious about and I want to go into yeah Um, what is what is something how do you approach that with people especially when they're very resistant with with altering their behavior?
1: Yeah, I haven't worked directly with too many people on this yet. I'm hoping to in the future. Um so right now I'm doing a lot of that work on myself because I um I'm definitely like type A like I have to do everything I have to do as much as possible and I have to be perfect at everything. <laughs> so that's that's what I've been unpacking too, but a lot of musicians are are similar in that way. Um and so I think that by doing this this work myself and Kind of speaking from personal experience, it might help other people relate to it. Um, but when I when I do talk about it with people, I, I do often refer to to case studies of it, like friends that have done it, or or people I look up to that have come out with their injury stories and um, kind of like how they've overcome it, and they're still incredible musicians and are getting professional opportunities playing in orchestras um so it can be done and I think by showing people success stories like that or telling them it it makes it easier um because when you're told okay well you have to make all these changes then people kind of like freak out I think which is understandable like you're like well I've been I've gotten this far with work like working the way I have been and it's been working for me so I'm going to keep going um when they're actually like really like hurting and even if they don't um kind of admit admit that to themselves it's it's just so much easier when when you're able to take care of yourself and prioritize yourself and in addition to doing your craft and I also think it's important for for people to know that you are your own person and playing music is what you do it's not who you are which is hard to understand sometimes because as artists we just put everything into our work and i'm sure you can relate to that where it's it's hard to kind of separate ourselves from our music and that's also another interesting topic where um, the reason that a lot of artists take criticism so personally is because they put so much of themselves into their music making or into their composition. And so when you receive um, a piece of negative criticism, you really take that personally. And I have struggled with that my whole life. And um, so that's another component, just really being able to identify your sense of self apart from your music. And then saying music is what I do and what I love, but it's not who I am, and that also helps build confidence and it helps take um, take criticism, which is is something that we we have to be used to as performing artists because it's it's the nature of of the industry. And I think being able to separate yourself um, helps, and then you realize that oh, I am a, I am my own person. I'm worth um, investing time to take care of myself in addition to playing playing my instrument or or doing my craft
0: oh wow that's that's um such a a great perspective to have um i i'm 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 serious serious amateur hours happening right now i forgot to silence my phone so uh let me just do that really quick i apologize
1: oh you're fine did it go off (laughs) i didn't hear it
0: it started going off and then it distracted me but i I did get everything you said
1: i didn't um, hear it (laughs)
0: That's good. <laughs> Total amateur hour, I'm telling you. No,
1: it's fine.
0: Whoa, we've been going for an hour almost. Holy crap! Yeah. Um, wow. One by quick. <laughs> it flies by. Yeah. Um, I love what you just said about uh, music not being everything you are. Or um, what was the line you said exactly? It was like.
1: It's not who you are. It's it's what you do and what you love. Right,
0: right. Um, Stephen King has this book on writing which he describes Mm -hmm. his craft or whatever and he talks about how in the 80s or whatever when he like started reaching uh success and everything yeah he was heavily into alcoholism and drug Mm -hmm. addiction and stuff Mm -hmm. and one of the things he always wanted was a giant mahogany desk for his writing you know yeah he placed it in the center of his office and it was this big desk whatever and he said like through that whole period it was a total mess it was you know um, he doesn't even really remember that period of his life from all of the, you know, drugs and alcohol and stuff. And when he became sober, he threw the desk out, got a tiny little desk and put it in the corner of the room. Wow. And the idea behind it was that his life, he doesn't want his life to re- revolve around his work. He wants his work to contribute to his life.
1: Yes. Yes. You know?
0: and that's what what you just said made me think of that.
1: Yeah, have you seen the movie Soul yet? I'm from oh, Pixar. No. It just came out. It's on um I think it's only streaming on Disney Plus, which okay. I was able to get a free account for 1 year with my Verizon account, so that's why I've been like watching <laughs> on Disney Plus, but um yeah, if if you have a chance, I think you can do a free trial. Um Yeah, yeah. You can do like a seven day free trial. Just do that and then watch it. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, it's all about. It's um, it's a great movie about um, a jazz musician who um, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but he ends up dying pretty early on in the movie, and so his soul goes up to the great beyond, and um, basically he, it, it was right before he was supposed to play like the gig of his life with like a huge jazz musician and he had invested like everything into into his music and so the premise of the movie is um him kind of uh, reflecting on on what kind of life that left him with um other than his music and he was often like not feeling happy because he didn't he's like well I don't have this or I I haven't performed with this person so I'm not worthy and and uh, so the whole, yeah, the whole plot is really just revolving around, um, like, what the bigger meaning or what your purpose is in life. And he ended up discovering that his purpose is not just music. It's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And music was his craft and what his passion, but it wasn't him.
0: Yeah. And,
1: like, <laughs> so, yeah, if you can watch it. Um. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. And it's, um, it was pretty, it was pretty sad, you know, like, some of those, some of those Disney movies, like, really get you. <laughs> but, yeah. It was, yeah, but I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a great movie. Like, everyone needs to watch this. Aww. Because it, it's just like, and it's outlined in, in a Pixar movie. So it's like, it's easy to follow. It's fun to watch. And then you get a lesson out of it.
0: That's beautiful. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, um that really explains kind of what I was talking about. Well, I think That's
0: that's, that's great. I, it's so cool to hear that there's a movie that's almost yeah. like presenting the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, this, yeah, this is a part of, part of the work that I'm doing, but yeah. And a lot of other people have researched this too. It's a big um topic and in, in the therapy world right now, as well as kind of, like figuring out your sense of self so that you're not as attached and dependent on the way that circumstances turn out mm. in, in the, either the professional world or, um, or otherwise, but yeah. And especially for performing artists, because we just really just, you have to invest so much of yourself mm. into it. And so it can get really detrimental. And, and I like what you brought up about, the Stephen King um was it a novel you said or a movie
0: it was a um um it's a memoir it's, it's a it's memoir. like a, a how-to and okay it's, it's also like it's a memoir so it's also like biographical
1: okay yeah I'd be interested to read that definitely yeah, but it's a cool read yeah that's awesome and like when he was talking about his struggle with with addiction that's really common too and that was something that was mentioned in the um PAMA course that it's um kind of a trait of of perfectionism where like you're if you're constantly not feeling good enough, you turn to other other substances to cope with. And um kind of the way out of that is is really just rebuilding confidence in yourself and, and finding healthy coping mechanisms. But his his story is so similar to that of so many artists, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This this is this is so interesting. Um the psychological aspect is is so so prevalent i think i mean like you you were saying um we critique ourselves constantly harshly too Mm -hmm. and we have such high expectations Mm -hmm. in in previous episodes on this podcast i know uh people we've talked about how we're almost trained to critique ourselves yeah we are it's like yeah. you're trying to perfect the craft, the interpretation, the musicality, your performance, and yeah, and 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 not only that, you're constantly being compared, like whether or not it's like, oh, this person's better, this person's worse, but like you're entering competitions, you're competing mm-hmm. to get a specific position in an orchestra or whatever, yeah. or or to have like, I don't know, like be selected for a grant,
1: right? Yeah, yeah
0: it's it's I've I've been kind of thinking about this lately like what a weird freaking way that our field operates
1: it's I'm gonna come out and say it's a little messed up I I
0: think it is too
1: yeah
0: I don't want my I don't want my livelihood to be dependent on if I get selected for a grant
1: I know but it's really it's that's how it feels and especially I think in the orchestral world there are so few spots, especially for wind instruments and and percussion and um, and other instruments, where there's only one or two positions open. Um, in general, whenever a spot opens, there's thousands of people that go to that audition and thousand like they're all probably really highly prepared, mm-hmm. and the committee will pick based on their preferences for that day. And I think the hardest part is especially with, with orchestral auditions, it's a lifestyle that you have to commit to. You have to just commit to practicing your excerpts so much because that's that's all that they're asking in the auditions. So it's you spend your whole life playing them. And on average, there have been studies about this. On average, it takes a musician about 40 professional auditions before they get a position. Wow. And that is so... like. I haven't gone the orchestral route yet, but I can imagine how detrimental that could be um, to your mental health along the way. Because it's really like, it almost seems like if you don't get a position, then like, you spent all this time working so hard for something that didn't happen. And it's like, that is, (laughs) that is so hard. And I think just um, being able to find success out of out of other things while you're going through that that process is really important um and you could have played like you could have played great auditions your best auditions and sometimes they're just looking for something specific and and that's the reason you weren't selected it's not that you didn't do an amazing job which i think that's so hard (laughs) because it's just such a competitive industry um but yeah i've i've heard stories from a lot of people on how it's just so hard to be able to just maintain your sense of confidence when you're facing that many um, potential rejections. But then at the same time, once you get the position, it's like so fulfilling and rewarding. But the process is definitely kind of brutal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, could Could you knock the volume back a couple clicks?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Am I so loud now? I'm so sorry.
0: That's okay. No, no, no. It's, it, I mean, it's the making noise podcast. So like, yeah.
1: I'm like screaming.
0: <laughs> That's one of the, one of the things that I'm always like. I, whenever I go back and edit, I I like get so loud. I start yelling. And,
1: like, <laughs> I know. I do tend to like yell. So
0: it's, yeah. Is it okay now? I think so. Yeah. That's okay, okay. Yeah. It's. You're totally right with the fact that. You know, we're we're constantly trying to um, like prove ourselves for things, and and it's hard to not seek that validation.
1: Yeah, you have exactly. to
0: be you have to be accepted by someone to get the thing that you want.
1: Yeah, and, you
0: know. and I think that goes back to what you were saying about having some sort of purpose outside of what you know, like yeah. I it's like a vision statement in a yeah. way. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I know, like, I I keep track of everything I apply to, only <laughs> only to know that what I applied to, when I applied, what I submitted, and then like I can reapply again if I don't get accepted. And in twenty twenty, I think I applied to like nearly thirty different things. Oh my gosh! And uh, I, I didn't get any of them, you know, like.
1: <laughs> I understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not it's not um yeah. to, it's not like woe is me. I'm not trying to like. No,
1: you know, no.
0: It's just it's, a, it's just bad to bad. display like the to confirm, like, what you're saying is, it's like, yeah, it's you, you, you have to keep putting yourself out there. And it's, it's hard to maintain that balance of, uh, like, sanity. And it's like,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And rejections are essential in in the path to success, like, you mm-hmm. have to have rejections to be successful. And um, just knowing how to handle them in a healthy way is really helpful, especially when, um, like you said, like, you can apply to like so many things and then if you don't get any of them, like a lot of the time it's common to question your sense of self-worth when often the case is is just that they only had like one or two openings and there's a lot of factors that go into decisions, but yeah I definitely understand like when, when I was preparing for graduation this past May I submitted to a lot of orchestral fellowships. And I was really hopeful that I would get at least one of them. And I didn't get any. Um, and that was kind of like, I put all my eggs in that basket. And after that, I was like, I really felt like a failure. But then there, I had to work through that process because it's like, okay, well, you know, so many people applied to this. And it doesn't mean that my tape was bad, necessarily. It's just, it was just the circumstance. And, and you have to kind of like take that and it's always helpful to ask for for comments if they have comments from the judging process because you can learn from it but it's it's really hard yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and then you will get that one um acceptance and then it kind of makes everything all better in my opinion
0: yeah i i definitely agree with that i I mean that's that's been sort of the case for me and great advice on asking for feedback that's that's definitely
1: yeah, but that's hard too because then you're like you don't want it to be rubbed in after you get a rejection, um. But it's also it can be really helpful because if you apply for that same thing in the future and and there was something um that they thought could be improved and and you go in and improve it, maybe it'll increase your chances in the future. But yeah, it's like that's hard for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: What is something with um? with applying to to um, like whatever orchestra opportunities or like job opportunities or grants or whatever um, is that is, is there something in because that's like more of a psychological thing than you know the physical aspect of playing and stuff like yeah. that um, what is something like what, what, what is like one thing that you think would be beneficial for most people to be doing to help them maintain that balance like we we mentioned having a vision and stuff but like is uh I'm being really really vague with this is there (laughs) anything specific you could say that's like you know have a routine or like drink tea you know
1: (laughs) um this is it might seem a little obvious I guess but like for me it has always not been just try and have a hobby outside of what you do which has been so hard for me because my hobby is what I do and that's been like another part of the identity crisis like who am I outside of what I do (laughs) so I've been working through that um but yeah just really having like healthy coping mechanisms I would say um so for me lately I I mean like I definitely have the occasional bit like beverage you know (laughs) but but you know (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah outside of um that, I typically like the way I unwind is usually I really have I value my my Netflix time before bed, and I like will get invested in a show, and I'll watch a couple episodes of it because it really just helps take my mind off of of things. And then, um I also have been really loving exercising lately, especially when we spend so much time inside. Um, because exercise really, um, it can help reduce symptoms of anxiety, which is something that a lot of people don't know, I think. Um, and so I've always been a really anxious person. And when I when I do a workout, I feel a lot better after. And then I sleep a lot better too that night because it just like puts you in a really great sleep mood. <laughs> so uh, just doing any kind of movement really really helps me and and you have to figure out the kind that works best for you um depending on your lifestyle but even just like going for a short walk um because I have not been leaving the house much these days so just forcing myself to go outside walk around the block has been really helpful um so yeah does that kind of answer your question or that was a great okay yeah
0: totally (laughs) like like that was that was just direct like yeah you know do a little bit of exercise have a wind down period yeah <laughs> that's that's important i mean yeah. that's something that i I've, I've steadily started implementing the whole wind down idea cuz yeah. ever since BG, i had insomnia and i also had reverse insomnia like oh my gosh. and uh breaking that like like going back to what we were saying before about uh having to create new behaviors to have a healthier balanced life yeah breaking the that like my sleeping patterns and behaviors was very difficult and having a wind down period was a pivotal thing for me
1: yeah absolutely and and so if if you did have insomnia probably the the watching something before bed i think that's not recommended if you have trouble sleeping actually it's not recommended in general but um I, I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, if like, if you do have trouble sleeping, I think what I've been researching is like the recommendations are trying to have like electronics, like outside of, of your room. So that when you come to your room, your brain kind of gets into the sleep mode. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's something you can try, but it's so hard because like that's the only time I have to like watch my shows and I look forward to it. Um. So I, it's not, the best for sleep hygiene but i it helps me psychologically
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i, yeah. I, I think it, i think it's um yeah i yeah it works
1: <laughs> it yeah. works yeah
0: <laughs> I, I have no scientific backing or anything but um, <laughs> um yeah i know like for me personally like watching something that's just very mellow like a comedy Oh yeah, or a movie that i've seen already that i know so well so it's like i'm not as invested in it yeah that that helps me um i don't i I don't want to miss anything that you may have wanted to get into at all what uh are there any any topics or like is there anything that you wanted to to discuss because i I would i would love to get into it that we haven't talked about or
1: yeah we've covered a lot um Yeah, I'm considering going back to school for actually an MBA. um, Because at this point, I think that would help me apply for full time positions in arts administration, which would be awesome. Um, But it's, it's also like a question I think a lot of musicians have been asking themselves at this period, I've heard two different possible outcomes after this pandemic, that like performing will become like obsolete, is one of them. And then, and that musicians should consider like different career paths. I've seen articles written about that. But I've also seen on the more optimistic side um, that actually a lot more job opportunities will be opening after this because I think a lot, what people are predicting are that a lot of um, people that hold faculty positions right now and positions in orchestras will likely consider. In early retirement, as a result of this pandemic, it's kind of a good opportunity for them to do so if they were considering it. And um, so, some people, a couple career coaches um, that I've been following um, do, you, do you know the book Beyond Talent?
0: I have it right over there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, she's awesome. She has a Facebook group that I'm in, and you should join too, because it's great. I'd love to. Um, but she's predicting that there's gonna be a lot more openings after this, and that actually, it might be a good time to be applying for faculty positions and for um, orchestral jobs, as soon as things begin to open up again. So I'm more inclined to um, follow the optimistic path. But I'm also um, considering what I want to do as well. And I think for what I want to do, an MBA would be helpful. And I still want to continue playing. um, But yeah, so that's been like a another like transitioning period in my life where it's like, do I want to like try and do performing full time or follow the administration path and, and keep performing, but um, not make it my my full time work? So, mm. yeah, um, I enjoy doing administration, though. So it's exciting.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I think um, there's there's I feel like the last couple of years, maybe even the last like 10 years, uh, Arts administration has been a a pretty big, there's been a boom in there in a
1: way. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And my hope is that um, once I get the body mapping certification, it would be awesome to apply for faculty jobs as a body mapping teacher for music schools um, and also uh, work in career consultation for musicians in the the music entrepreneurship centers, which is, the office that I worked in at Manhattan School of Music when I was a graduate student, um, I loved it, and I loved being able to help musicians like find find the true path that they want to go on and, and embrace their their creative projects and realize that there are not only three paths that you can take as as a professional musician, like because a lot of people think you can only do orchestral or teaching or um arts administration but really there's a lot of different niches within that that you can absolutely make a career out of but um it's not talked about as much
0: yeah that's something that i've talked about quite a bit on here with people with other guests and um you know like kind of like what you were saying before about all of the orchestral like there's such a high supply of musicians and not enough demand Yes, you know, like the the amount of orchestral seats or faculty positions that are available is like this much. The amount of musicians is like you know yeah. way up there. Um, so I think that, I think that's a really good good perspective and, and point to bring up. Um, I I, w- I would like to say that uh, if if you ever decide to to start your own like uh, playing without pain <laughs> consultation firm or something like that i'm totally i'm totally uh, in favor of
1: that <laughs> awesome yeah that's definitely something i'm considering too and so i'm at the stage right now where i'm just trying to get as many certifications as possible um and do the research and make sure i'm really knowledgeable about um how to properly coach people through injuries mm-hmm. um because there's it's it's a really fine line that that you have to walk um if you're not a medical professional so you just really have to be trained in it um especially the somatic practices like body mapping alexander technique um yoga is is great as well for musicians and things like that um so that's definitely in in my vision board and i think having an an mba would also help with that totally. so yeah well <laughs> thank you for planting the idea in my head I was thinking about it a little bit but now you've inspired me more (laughs) so thank you
0: full support for me Francesca (laughs) I'm telling you
1: (laughs) thank you yeah Yeah. that's that's a good idea
0: (laughs) totally I mean I think it would be a cool thing especially if um there's not a lot of people talking about it and then you are the voice and taking that taking it all across the country all across the world and like I don't know if you get if you expand to the point where it's like you can bring on coaches who work under yeah. you or or like you know yeah i mean it's yeah. just i just think it's so f- fantastic that you've you've developed this thing all the way to this point right now and um it just seems like there's there's a lot you can do with it so
1: thank you that means cool. a lot yeah
0: it. yeah my pleasure um I, ha- I have a bizarre question in a way yeah. i just want to let's see what time we got here
1: okay,
0: <laughs> okay. um you're okay until like one thirty, or do you do you yeah. need to
1: no i'm good I, yeah.
0: I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, please nope, feel nope. free to be like, Hey, I got to get going, you know, like just, it's all good. You're fine. <laughs> um, is there an, is there an instrument that you found to be most prone to injuries?
1: Uh, flute's a big one yeah. because of the asymmetrical nature um, of the instrument. Also string, um, especially violin and viola, mm-hmm. those kind of have an asymmetrical aspect as well. Um, The instruments that you do hold asymmetrically typically are more prone to injury in the research that I've done. Um, But all instrumentalists can develop especially repetitive strain injuries from repetitive motion. Um, Guitarists are also prone because of um, the way that, that you sit and also hold your instrument as well. There is a great book that you should check out by actually my former chamber coach, David Leisner. Um, So he teaches guitar at the Manhattan School of Music. And he also he suffered from focal dystonia, which is um, a neurological, a neurologically based um, playing related disorder. And um, it basically he lost control of his muscles and his hands um, and he found his way out of it by himself because that focal dystonia is being researched more now, but when he was going through it, it was a medical mystery for the most part. Oh, how scary. And he found a way to, to work past it and, and retrain his body, how to play. Um, so his book is titled playing with ease and I'll send that to you, but it's, um, a lot specific to guitarists and, Mm. And they're, they're playing position as well and, and playing with ease and freedom and less pain. But he's awesome. If you ever have the chance to talk with him, I would highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> I, that sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did I'm trying to think. I remember years ago, I had this, this write-up. It was like the six golden rules of perf- conquering performance anxiety or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like he wrote that.
1: That's possible. He's written a lot um yeah he's he's pretty prominent in the performing arts health field especially after his book came out
0: um there's another book too and i don't know i don't know who the author is but it's another guitarist it's called is it called the musician's way
1: yes yeah that's a good book too it's all about like
0: practice habits and stuff
1: yeah that's a really good one
0: yeah i thought about that when i saw your article about um uh efficient practicing and everything like that.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's that's one I haven't totally finished reading yet, but it's been on my list. I have so many books on my reading list now. But that is a great book.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it really yeah. is. It like it it definitely breaks apart the whole idea of like how to practice. That, mm-hmm. like, like you say, like efficiently and everything. And, yeah.
1: And-, and the art of practicing. Um so I'm working with the author of that right now. She has a a summer institute um, that's also really helpful for musicians that have um, kind of gotten into this really self-critical, negative headspace and are trying to find their way out of it. Um, And often those same people have the performance-related injury aspect as well um, It really goes hand in hand. So her book titled The Art of Practicing talks a lot about um, practicing methods, too, and in in regards to preventing and managing pain symptoms. So um, I would recommend that one as well, if you're looking into practice books.
0: Definitely. That's great. Um, are there any books that <clears throat> excuse me? I'm <laughs> getting really gassy. What? over here. <laughs> Coffee does it to me. Um, um, books on, on mental health that, that you, you would recommend.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm like looking in front of me right now because of my bookshelf. So I'm trying to figure out which ones I would recommend. Um, there's a lot actually for mental health, if you're interested in really just learning more about the psychology aspect of of things like um anxiety, depression, um, and other um other things along those lines, the Institute for Brain Potential um is doing these online six hour webinar courses that I've been taking. So you can sign up They're about like $70 per course, but you get a ton of information and you can watch it for a specific amount of time before it goes away. But um, they have courses on like the psychology behind perfectionism, which is one that I took. That one was really interesting and I learned a ton. Um, They have a lot of different courses on the mind body connection on um, the uh, like generalized anxiety disorder and understanding and treating anxiety, uh, they have some. They have webinars about depression, about um, OCD, about other anxiety-related disorders as well. So, if you're interested in learning more about mental health, and those are all conducted by um, by psychologists, and so those are all really awesome. I've learned a ton um, mm. about, especially the the scientific reasoning. Um, behind what what is occurring in the brain when you have depression or anxiety, and and ways to manage it and treat it, so that's um, been really fascinating. But there's also a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which is really fascinating for the mind body connection, um, and it kind of explains like trauma and how that often sits in our bodies um, if we don't process it or uh, if we don't process it properly, it kind of sits and it can turn into physical pain. Um, so that's really an interesting book. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> that 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 does sound really fascinating. Um, yeah. I'm curious about that. I'm gonna have to look into it.
1: Yeah, it's, I would highly recommend it.
0: I like I like the the institute that you had mentioned too.
1: Yeah, like the and webinars. they have like courses on seriously every topic you could ever imagine, and they're offering them constantly. It's a lot of their pre-recorded webinars um, from the past year and they're just continuing to release them. Mm. So you can sign up. It's six hours in separated in four chapters. So it's like an hour and a half each and you have like two months to watch it. So you don't have to do it all in one day.
0: That, you know, what's cool about that too, is you can rewatch it.
1: Exactly. And like, yeah, you keep
0: taking it in and like,
1: yeah, you know,
0: getting more into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I just had this thought, If at any point you are conducting any more, you need like a person to experiment with or like to test stuff, I will gladly volunteer myself. (laughs) Awesome! I'm dead serious too. I will will gladly volunteer myself in whatever capacity I can, you know. um, Cool.
1: Well, I'll definitely keep that in mind. I would love to do more research. So, thank you for volunteering. Yeah,
0: Yeah, totally. Or as a a
1: test subject.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly um i can say that as a composer i mean i have uh i I purchased this desk during grad school Mm -hmm. with uh the drafting table where it comes up so like when i'm composing i'm not hunched over my desk it's like the that's
1: great good for you
0: that was a game changer for me because i got so tired of you know um oh
1: that's awesome
0: yeah i would highly recommend all people who are you know anyone's a composer or whatever yeah get a drafting table
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but, um, oh, there was something I was going to say. Uh, I lost it. No worries. Yeah. Um, oh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People.
1: Yes. That's a good one.
0: I That book, I've read it once like years ago. I revisited it like two years ago. And every time I read that thing, that's one of those books where like I get more from it than I did the last time.
1: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's
0: incredibly powerful. It's like the, I I view it as like the self-help book of self-help books, you know? <laughs> yeah. I
1: have I have not read that one yet, but that one is has been highly recommended to me by several people. So got to order it. Got to add it to the list. <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah. The, the long, long list of uh, things to read, you know?
1: I love it though. It's, it gives me life. <laughs>
0: i'm gonna throw one thing in there from the book that uh i think it's from the first chapter is he he defines responsibility as Mm. um the ability to choose your response to external stimuli
1: yeah that's so important
0: i love the redefinition and breaking it up into two words like that and yeah recognizing that it's like you 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 do have a little bit more control over how you handle things than you would think
1: yeah yeah and that's that's something a lot of people don't realize either, which it's so important um, because having the sense of control just gives you a sense of confidence and, and power that that everyone just everyone needs a little bit of that.
0: Oh, I love that. Having yeah. control gives you a sense of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that should be yeah. like a bumper sticker or something. <laughs> or like, <laughs> you know, a quote by you with a nice starry background and a meme or whatever you want to call it. Like, <laughs>
1: with uh, Ber- the bernie sanders. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting
0: there like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like what I love about that is is him sitting like that is the exact opposite of what that quote is. Well, <laughs> I, know. I don't know, maybe it's not actually. Like he could just be sitting there very confident like I don't give a shit. Like you know, you know,
1: it would just it would make you think.
0: <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: no those memes have been so funny
0: (laughs) i know it's been great oh my god um yeah well i'm gonna before i stop the recording here um is there anything you want to plug you want to like mention some projects you got coming up or social media handles i mean you mentioned at one point but you know yeah
1: yeah sure um so the projects i'm working on now i'm doing some recordings um, I'm recording "Luciform" by Mario Diaz De Leon, um, which is what I've been working with the electronics for. So I'm learning a lot. Oh, um,
0: great composer.
1: So yeah, I'm hoping to eventually record a solo album, maybe in the next few years. So I'm getting a couple demos um, ready to send to some some labels. I'm so if anyone has any ideas of labels I can contact, that would be awesome. Um, because that would be that's one of my goals as well. Um. I think it would really help me stay motivated to to play. Not that I have too much trouble with, but it's just something to work towards, which is awesome. So that's what I'm doing playing-wise right now. Um, other than that, I'm doing a meditation teacher training program that I'll finish at the end of this month. Uh, so I'm hoping to also do a yoga teacher training program in um, the next few months as well, in addition to body mapping. So I've been working on those, and... Just continuing to give presentations on my research. We're working on actually publishing it officially in um in a medical journal. Um, so I've been working with, with Dr. Lisa Martin, um, who is wonderful, and you may know from Bowling Green as well. Uh, but we've been working on getting that officially published, so that's been exciting. Um, so if you want to check out more of my work, you can visit my website, playingwithoutpain.com, or if you're interested in learning more about my playing, you can go to francescaleoflute.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at playingwithoutpain, and I also have a Facebook page at playingwithoutpain as well. Um, and feel free to always send me a direct message or or an email. I have a contact form on my website and would love to hear from you.
0: Oh, amazing. <laughs> so many great things. Thank you. you. You're doing a uh, 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 amazing service for the music community so thank uh, you yeah but yeah thank you so much for being on here Francesca this was so much fun
1: yeah thank you for having me